When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshny. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Crypto Collapse Sports Business Podcast, The Sport Accounts. Crypto collapse, a bit colloquial, but hey, I, th- I thought there was going to be a, you know, a SAM or an FTX. <laughs> I wasn't really sure where you're going, but all went right. With the you alliteration. Went, yeah, you went 30,000 foot crypto collapse in the ecosystem, but I think we're going more specific, right? We're going to zone in, if you zero in on FTX because the company is so prominent in its sports deals. Uh, you've got the umpire patches. You've got the Miami Heat Arena, which kudos to you because we were discussing like how do we want to follow? What do we want to look at? And that was really, I mean, that was just chaos, right? It really was from a journalism standpoint. All right, the, the company looks like it's going under, and and we, everybody's trying to make sense of what's happening, what could happen. And we had the contract with the Miami, the FTX contract with the Miami Heat or Miami-Dade County. And we could ap- we could actually, again, zero in and bring some clarity and absolute. We could state without, this are the terms of this deal. And we answered questions because the first thing people wanted to say, well, well what about those sports teams? Look, these sports teams, in the, they're really going to be harmed by this. They're not going to get their money. Well, frankly, maybe not the worst deal around. And, and you had all the details. I think that's that's right, and it, it's a really interesting glimpse into there. There are a lot of a lot of sports, big time sports sponsors right now that that are come from very volatile industries. Uh, crypto is one of them. We'll talk about a sports betting deal um, that that was just uh, landed in court uh, a little bit later in this in this episode, Scott. But there are a lot of teams and, and, and that are dealing now with big sponsors that are defaulting or, or, or not finishing payment on their contracts, and I think a lot of people in the public look at that and they're like, oh, this is a huge embarrassment for this team. They're not going to get their money. The truth is that a lot of these deals and and and, and the Miami-Dade County FTX one is a good example. They carry pretty heavy upfront payments because this is a very volatile industry. 
Um, and they also have very onerous settlement terms, and we can get into whether FTX is going to end up meeting those. But just to talk hard numbers, Miami-Dade County, in, in the emails from the mayor that we saw, essentially valued the the, the, the naming rights to the Miami Stadium around $6 million. $6 million was the minimum, so something right around there is what they thought they were going to get. They ended up getting $14 million up front from FTX. They got their second year's payment, $5.5 million. So that's $19.5 million that Miami-Dade County got for an asset that they valued around $6 million a year. And after 18 months, the deal goes kaput, and they're owed technically another $17 million. I don't know if they're going to get that. But even if they don't, they got $18 million, Scott, for an 18-month uh, naming rights deal. They can hit the market now. They can uh, sell you gotta it You got to do the math, though, for people. You said that yeah. under what they estimated the value would be, that's three years worth of what they estimated exactly. the value. Would be. So they got, they yes, it ended after 18 months, but they got three years worth of what they thought it would be. Exactly. And, and and the the, the crypto.com deal, Staples Center, from what I understand, is also a fairly heavily upfront payment. No team wants its naming rights partner to go out of business or to, to, to be unable to pay. Obviously, they want these deals to reach their completion, but uh, the, the teams who are doing it right and the sales agents that are doing it right are structuring these deals in a way because they know it's a higher probability that FTX doesn't make it to 2025 than a company like Ford or, or a company like AT&T. <laughs> or like a um, company like Lehman Brothers. Oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's a there's an interesting nuance at play here. Another thing that was really interesting in, in, in seeing those documents, Scott, about FTX, the county inspector general's office was tasked with doing the due diligence on FTX. And what they told the mayor's office was essentially, it was like a sh shrug emoji. It was like, this company's been in business for a year. Things look fine, but honestly, there's not, there's not much, there's not much to go off here. You didn't well, give us but all they that have much the money. time to look at. But you said them. you had the money. And, and I'm, again, I'm not going to be specific here, but and this is a kind of a story. It's akin to that. I asked a, a sports commissioner, we'll say, about the due diligence that went into one prospective owner of a team in this person's league. And I too, not a shrug emoji. I actually got the shrug <laughs> and uh who the blank knows what they knew was that the check cleared. That that was the due diligence. They 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 have the proof of funds. That's a very important term in sports business. Proof of funds. And they, and, and they and had it. And another thing that's happening a lot in this industry is uh you get vetted by other deals. That other people in this industry look at, let's say Cal could very easily have been like, oh, they're a naming rights partner. FTX is an, on an NBA arena. We can do a deal with must them. Must be right? okay. The, yeah, the, sure. The heat, right. Le and, legitimacy. And Miami-Dade County must have done their They've been their legitimized by the previous deal. Exactly. And, and we talked a few weeks ago about Rocket, that story that Daniel Libet and I did. A lot of the teams that did deals with the Rockets after the original Williams and, and Houston Rockets deal all said that they... Yeah, they they were already in all these F1. They were in the NBA. They were already doing big deals with with big legitimate teams, and that gives kind of an air of legitimacy already, even before the due diligence started. So, do, do you figure? Do you think that these folks really said we don't have to vet our counterparty because I'm sure they've already been vetted? I, I don't think it, it is that obvious. But and and this happens, Scott, in in so many industries, right? I I know investors who depending on who else is on a cap table of, of a company they're invested in, they know that that bigger private equity firm does a really thorough job at, at vetting and they won't do as, as hard a vetting as their own because they understand that, that for big firm Y to be on the cap table, they've already done that, that due diligence themselves. So See, but Johnny at big firm Y could yeah. have been having a bad day and just wanted to rush this through. It'd been so busy to, to abdicate 
your responsibility of due diligence just seems like a really hundred percent. And, and I'm sure there are investors in FTX that were like, "Oh, Sequoia was in on a round that valued this company at three Look thirty-two at you. billion. Look at you, Look sure. Uh, so, so yes, I think that they're in all walks of business and definitely in the sports world. Yeah, there's when you already have. Uh, specific deals in place that makes it easier 100% to get other deals. And I'm sure the due diligence later on down the line is, is nowhere near as thorough as maybe it should be just because th there's already an air of legitimacy kind of baked into the whole process. All right. You brought up crypto.com. And now this is not just company specific. This is like sector specific, right? You, you mentioned the big deal with this, what was the Staples Center now in yeah. AEG. How comfortable am I if I've got a big deal with crypto.com, is this sort of best in breed at Westminster or is this a mutt? Do I got to worry about this too? I, I mean, I think you have to worry about it. The, the big the big question that we don't know the answer to yet is that this is, and we don't know if this was incompetence or fraud, but what happened with FTX is obviously bad for FTX and all of its partners. It is probably bad for crypto as a whole as investors get more scared off. The, the idea, I think, of of buying up a lot of crypto is, is nowhere near as enticing to the average Joe American right now as it probably was 12 months ago when a lot of these deals were done. So to, to the extent that what happened with FTX really does cool the entire crypto market, yeah, then I think you start to worry about a lot of other cryptocurrencies, a lot of other crypto lenders, a lot of other crypto trading platforms, et cetera. So, so yeah, I think that's the concern. I think there's obviously a concern that you never want a company that is not doing things on the up and up. But even if you do, if, if that company's entire industry starts to cool off, yeah, I think then you, then you begin to worry for sure about their ability to make payments. We've seen in, in the past, and it's true with FTX as well, Scott, when, when one thing goes wrong, there's a lot of intertwining businesses that also kind of, the, the dominoes continue to fall and one company's bankruptcy, we've seen it a few months ago, what happened with with, with Voyager Di Di Digital, Digital yeah. which uh, FTX ended up buying essentially out of bankruptcy. Um, but once once one thing goes wrong, this company has a lot of assets tied up in this other company. This hedge fund is holding a lot of their currency. Whatever it looks like, there's a lot of kind of roll-off effects. So yeah, I would imagine if I was a crypto.com partner, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly more worried sitting here now this week than I would have been two weeks ago before FTX, before that empire crumbled. All right. I, I need to vet this, but I saw somewhere, dare I say, on Twitter, <laughs> that, but what the heck, we can talk about it. I saw that Michael Lewis was embedded with SBF That's for amazing. like six months. And you know how much I love Michael Lewis. Like it just, the amount uh, of copy that he generates and, and how smart he is and and I tell people all the time, I don't want to hear uh, that, uh, oh, I was in the right place at the right time. No, no, no. I, I think Michael Lewis, more than anybody else, really demonstrates that be somewhere all the time, right? If you're somewhere all the time, like that's how the, that's how the blind side came about. He was reporting another podcast and 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 like Michael, oh, I lost you're you. Back. I lost you. Yeah, you cut out there for a, a little second. Start, start okay. at the, that's how the blind side came about. Okay. All right, Eben, that's how the blind side came about. Like, you know, Michael Lewis, I believe he was reporting a story about his former high school basketball coach in New Orleans, and he was at a former teammate's house elsewhere. And like, he walks in the house, and there's Michael Orr sitting on the couch, and nobody says anything. Then afterwards, after he leaves, he's like, by the way, who's the mountain of the guy on your couch? Like, what's the deal with that? And then, boom, he tells him the story, and, you know, hey, I should write this. And then, of course, here comes, you know, the screenplay and all that. Like, does, did Michael just figure this is an interesting company to time and SBF is this kid on the rise? Or, and I'm guessing this is complete 
speculation on my part. Michael said something's not right. Liz antenna were tingling, and he said, this is where I'm going to want to pay attention for a while. And he embeds himself with SPF, and now he's got another bestseller and documentary on the way. Is there a, a, a single reporter slash writer that you would rather hear from on this topic than Michael no. Lewis? Some, someone who understands finance and has an ability to distill it down to, no. to, a, to a conceptual level that most people can read and understand? He is exactly who I would want uh, who I would want to be doing this. And one other thing I'll say on that is that you see this in documentaries a pretty good amount. But very often, the, the the people who are embedded with subject X, when when something goes horribly wrong yeah. and just have that access, you get some great. That Michael Weiner, sorry, the Anthony Weiner documentary is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was that the, the the Lance Armstrong documentary also really good. When you're when you're making a documentary, or in Michael's case, maybe working on a book about a subject, and then the entire story flips, and you are just already there and have the access already. Those end up often being the most illuminating and most interesting uh, pieces of nonfiction. I remember sitting watching the Michael Weiner, Anthony mouth. Weiner. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael yeah. Weiner. Yeah, from the Players Union. Yeah, no, Anthony Weiner, mouth agape when the scandal breaks and Uma Abedin is just sort of like, get this out of here. Like uh, the, the, and somehow, some way, it just kept cameras kept rolling. I, I. I I rem- I really remember thinking, oh my God, they're still there. There's a there's a point in that documentary where the people who are making the documentary behind the camera, she's in her kitchen, I think, and yeah, they ask yeah. her, they're like, Why are you like why are you letting us film this? And she is just so worn down by the whole thing. That that documentary is an eye opener. It is it's a fantastic watch for anyone who's interested in, in either him or it actually probably says a lot about the political climate we're in right now. But but yeah, they were they were just a part of this family for a long time and then the the flip got script the the, the script got flipped uh very dramatically and they just stuck around for the ride and it, they got some amazing footage uh, you know i have great admiration for michael lewis when he was when we were at bloomberg and michael was writing for bloomberg i would you know every now and then uh, email back and forth with him i've invited him to some of our stuff and i mean i'm not surprised he's so darn busy with projects that he just doesn't have time but i, I admire michael man just the volume and the quality I, he's so prolific and so damn good that I want to be jealous and hate him, but I just don't. He's so he's just so damn good. All right. Speaking of not payment, what I, I got the New York Jets. They had a partnership with Fubo Gaming, and now, uh, from what we understand, what the Jets are suing Fubo for non payment. You tell me because again, you you were you were up on this story as well. Taking Fubo to court, Fubo Gaming, which was a uh, subdivision, a sports book run run out of Fubo TV, uh, which we talked about a little while ago. They shuttered the gaming division, sports betting, obviously very expensive right now to pursue. And there are a lot of smaller operators that are deciding right now, I'm not sure if I want to play in this in this sandbox. Yeah, but they have Fubo, a lot of market access deals too. So, so it, like you said, it, oh, there's always counterparties and you got to go down the line when something like this happens. Yeah, so that Fubo had a bunch of deals in Cleveland Cavaliers, Houston Dynamo, the New York Jets, and, and the Jets, the news last week. Um, they're taking Fubo to court. They've asked a uh, asked a judge to pr- pr- to appoint a receiver to help them get back the money that they claim they're owed. It's a couple million dollars, from what I remember um, of, of the letter that we saw. Um, but uh, yeah, the the broader point here again, and 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 what's happening with FTX and what's happening with Fubo is obviously two very very different things. But there are a number of industries right now that that were not sponsorship categories in sports five years ago that are now popping up not only as categories that teams can sell, but really lucrative and expensive ones. And now there are teams, there are counties, there are leagues starting to deal 
with the fallout of what happens when those companies are not in business for the length of the uh, of the contract that they have. So uh, again, I think the the the, the Jets are, are probably not the first, and they're definitely not going to be the last major team to have a sports book partner that doesn't see it to the end of their contract. The the market access stuff, Scott, I think is really interesting. The, the Jets deal did not have that, but from what I understand. Fubo Gaming's deals with the Houston Dynamo in Texas. And by the um, way, the money for the Dynamo, we're, we're talking you know, New York Jets where they have plenty of other revenue, but if I'm the Dynamo, that is a significant portion of revenue that I may not have seen. Potentially the, the largest team commercial partnership in yep. MLS history, that Dynamo deal. Um, the kind of thing that, that impacts the valuation of the team probably yep. when you yep. have it uh, and when you don't. Uh, and that included if and when Texas were to legalize sports betting, uh, the license that the Dynamo had. And I have no idea how how those conversations go now that Fubo Gaming is no longer around. It's the same in, in, in Ohio through the Cavaliers. Does Fubo get to resell that license access? Does it go back to the team if the deal is deaded? Um, very curious to see how those things get unwound. But th- there's a lot of thorny issues here. But, but again, I, I, th- there's a thread here between both of this FTX stuff and this Fubo stuff, that is, these are high-paying categories and they're very volatile. And teams are going to be upset when their partners go out of business and some of them are going to demand a high upfront fee and they're going to be fine and other ones maybe won't and they're going to be more upset. But I do think we're, we're entering this age just because of the way the American economy is structured and also the way, the way if you're a business that is looking to grab customers really quickly and you have a lot of cash, which is true of, Sports books and crypto platforms as of 12 months ago, sports is a darn good place to, to spend your money. You get access to a, a rabid, largely online, largely tech-savvy group of people. Um, you can pay to reach those people in specific geographies if you want to via specific teams. Uh, that's highly relevant in, in sports betting where, where there are some markets where you can bet and some that you can't legally. Um, but but yeah, I think the the, the mix of, of, of the way the economy is going the way in which sports are a way for, for for companies of this size, growth companies with a lot of money uh, t- that are that are in a rush for market share, the way they can reach a lot of people really quickly. Uh, we're going to be talking about this, I think, Scott, for a long time. Speaking of reaching people quickly, you know, the NFL we joked about like doesn't have to rush into spaces like this. They can allow others to sign these deals. Let's see how it shakes out, knowing that because of the size of their audience and power, that these companies will eventually come around and want NFL deals. And the NFL was slow to adopt any sort of crypto uh, approval. Um, and it's not surprising that the, the Dallas Cowboys were first and foremost. They ran in. They did a deal with what? Blockchain.com. Okay. Right. So, okay. Still around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, again, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, do I, do I really need to worry? No. No. I, I, I can make it up elsewhere or whoever does survive the industry probably would not mind to deal with the Dallas Cowboys. Would it be the same dollar amount? I may, maybe not, but you know, Jerry's going to make that up elsewhere. So I don't think so. Um, and should we continue our uh, kind of bad news in the sports business world? That this, <laughs> this is, is a downer, downer of an episode. Yeah. My Lord. Yeah. Like you and Dan Libet again, fantastic reporting. Y- you wrote about a company called circular. Uh, they they kind of handle athletes, social media. They make a lot of promises saying, you know, uh, based on whether you do some postings, we'll guarantee you this amount of revenue and particularly susceptible are, Sort of, I always think of the, the lower rung tennis players who don't make that much money, who have travel expenses and ho- you know all that stuff, and could really use um, some upfront cash now. 
a lot of promises made, and it's from what we're told from the athletes, uh, circular not living up to the promises. This is a great story. It was Emily Karen and, and Dan Livett. Um, oh, I'm sorry, who, sorry, who Emily. This one together, um, and it, honestly, it feels kind of like to, to, to tie it back to what we were just talking about. It almost feels kind of like a Michael Lewis story. A really interesting behind the scenes look at this company, Circular, C I R Q U L A, which has spent uh, the better part of the last year wooing a lot of starting with tennis and then other athletes, uh, largely in Europe, uh, trying to, what they say is build a social media platform. And they were going to use athletes as a way of porting people over from other social media onto the circular site. And what they were promising was low annual salaries to athletes to essentially be influencers, $10,000, $15,000 a year, Um, most of that money, if not all of that money has never come to an athlete. They were also asking for essentially an onboarding fee that the athletes had to pay themselves. Yeah. And by the way, I love that. It was just to test to see how serious they were. You know, we're just trying to weed out the people who aren't serious about this. So not only did the athletes not get the money they were owed, they also ended up paying a couple hundred dollars onboarding fee that it doesn't seem like they've gotten back quite yet. But I I agree with you. I think the takeaway here is, is just a reminder of how brutal it is if you're a, a professional tennis player that's outside the top 150, if you are a professional squash player, uh, also a squash player in, in this story, there's just so many professional ranks, people who are just grinding it out because they love the sport, their credit card debts, they've they've leveraged all of their finances, they're, they're leaning on their parents, X and Y for whatever reason, and for them, losing $250 is a pretty big deal. And, and, and budgeting to have an extra $10,000 a year that you don't get um, and that means you go to two or three other tournaments that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford to go. And it, it's small numbers, Scott, but it really does underscore just how scary financially I think it is for a lot of professional athletes that are not named Novak Djokovic or Tiger Woods, just in individual sports that are either not huge commercial sports or just they're ranked outside of uh, outside of the tier for whom being a professional athlete is gravy. And then we do see those that actually do gain some real success and relevance. And, you know, they too had probably, they've sold a portion of their future earnings when they were younger, when they didn't have it. And we like Tiafo is one of those. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in baseball as well, where there are companies that'll, you know, give you X amount of money for a portion of your future. And if you become a star, okay, maybe it works out best for the company. Um, but that, that there is, is the risk. You, uh, you get the money up front in that sense here is a social media, we'll pay you if and when. And of course, it just didn't materialize. There's a really interesting part on the back end of that story. And I highly recommend that anyone who's listening to this should read it because it's a really good piece of reporting. But a lot of the athletes, dozens of the athletes who were promised money from Circular that they never got, ended up together on a WhatsApp thread, sharing their experiences, talking about what was happening, giving advice to one another, et cetera. And in some- I would call it a support group myself. Support group, sure. (laughs) In some crazy way- as trying to build a social media network, Circula ended up creating a, a very dense and very supportive social media network itself of athletes who felt like they were wronged by Circula. But it's also a really interesting glimpse into, in some ways, how how journalism works right now and how, and how social aggregation works and how social gathering works and the ability of these athletes who were all being wronged to get together to share their experiences and then to be able to reach out to reporters, et cetera. I think all of that says a lot about technology and, and just where we are right now in 2022. Yeah. Unintended consequences. And it's coming back to bite you. And I, can I, can I use Yiddish? Should I go Yiddish on the show? I don't think I Absolutely. ever have. You know, Tukas? Tukas. That's your rear end? That's your rear. Well yeah, done. Oh yeah. Way to go, Mishpoka. <laughs> 
I'm quelling. I'm quelling while seeing you. I'll let you look all that up later. <laughs> by, by the way, uh, Scott, before we move on, I, totally unrelated, but it made me think of you. There is a, did, did you read about the LSU prospect, um, Harold Perkins and his football game this week? I did not. So LSU has a, yeah, I think he's a freshman. Uh, I was, by the player. way, I don't want to make it seem like I was sitting on the couch. You know me and weekends. I was stuck in hockey rinks, totally all right? Driving to, driving to Marlboro, Massachusetts, two hockey games, drive right back. So this LSU defensive end, I think, had eight tackles, four sacks, two, fo- two, two forced fumbles. He was throwing up before the game. And afterwards, Brian Kelly came up to him and goes, that was an amazing performance. Just so you know, MJ played his best game ever when he had the flu. And do you know what the kid said back to him? No, he didn't know Michael Jordan. Who, who's MJ? Who's, M- who's MJ? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> if he's, Which uh, made me feel old as well. I just thought I thought that was just a perfect little sum up of just how things change and how well, icons course, had and sports he, had change. He, had he said LBJ or L, you know, would he have known? Like, would he have known LeBron? Rather, have had something like that happen? Just who's MJ? Who's oh. MJ? Yeah. Oh, that that hurts. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you who D L N S O R. You know, look positive little shout out to uh a couple of friends of the programs and better be listeners so you know we'll just see if what happens but uh two of our friends david levy scott o'neill new gigs start with levy you know joining horizon sports and experiences uh all about events ip experiential marketing and i love that david always goes to the the example of what he did at turner with the match like it's perfect like it did not exist we create an event we create ip we have the stars participating and we can monetize it all. So tell me what you think. It's David Levy and, and, and Chris Weil who was running Momentum for, for a very long time. So, so two people who understand content creation, understand experiential marketing and all those things. I think the way that they see it is they understand that sports marketing is, is very quickly shifting away from 30-second TV spots and signage at a stadium or a billboard on the side of a highway. Table and, and stakes in, in Levy Vermeer. Exactly. It's what he called that stuff. And, and now that web three and metaverse and the match, which as you said, is they, they just created IP out of thin air and sold it to, 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 to sponsors and to, and to media companies. Those are the things that advertisers want right now. And, and they really feel like teaming up with the two of them and then horizon media combining the forces of those three entities uh, is going to be the agency that the, that, that this industry needs now and moving forward into the future. So I'm, I'm actually really curious to see how, how they progress and, and how big companies that, that that spend hundreds of millions of dollars on on sports marketing and advertising every year, how they're going to think about how, how to spend that money and whether it really is a, a shift away from TV commercials and into things, events that they can own and operate and then sell themselves. And Levy ain't no dum-dum. He's not starting from a standstill. He's got like more than a jog. He's got a pretty good pace going because he's inherits some of the clients from Horizon. Yeah, That's exactly. a good way to go, David. Yeah, they're, they're bringing on a, a metaverse consulting company that Horizon owned and a sports uh, and, and entertainment company that Horizon owns, Scout. So so yeah, they, they put this thing together. The three of them are the backers and, and they have 30 employees and, and a client list already ready to go. So good luck to Chris. Good luck to David. Uh, and looking forward to, to seeing what Horizon puts together once they once they really start doing these deals. All right. And my friend Scotty O'Neill is going to kill me on this one because the first thing I'm going to go negative, <laughs> you, you know, but yeah, he's taking over CEO of Merlin Entertainment's publicly traded British company, but I can't get past the S on entertainments. Merlin Entertainment's hmm. like it should just be Merlin Entertainment. Like that, that to me is comfort to the ear. The entertainment's I struggle with. And day, if not, day one on the job, do you do you axe the S? 
Yeah, just I really put you your can. stamp I, on the company. I, you're, you're, you're succeeding a guy who was there for like three decades. I don't think you can <laughs> imagine if point of order day one, we must remove the S. Yes. It's your, too your confusing first for our days plan is, uh, is to get the S out. A lot, lot of theme parks uh, under control of Merlin. Uh, Legoland. So if anybody wants to go hang out at Legoland, call Scott O'Neill. He can, he can hook you up with a pass and uh, maybe some food coupons. Former executive at Harris Blitzer, former executive at, at Madison Square Garden, certainly someone who understands the way in which hospitality and, and fandom intertwine. Really interested to see what he does here, Scott, with, with a company that is, again, partially very relative to his skill set and also in a, in a very different industry. What I love, David started from the ground up at Turner, you know, worked himself all the, all the way up to running Turner Sports and some other properties. Scotty O was a culture guy. Like uh, what I love about Scott, and he would never tell this story, but I, I will quickly, because the person told me that, you know, he brought his whatever 80 something year old mother to Madison Square Garden. Somehow she got turned around trying to get to her seat and really was kind of looking. And then, you know, Scotty's walking, excuse me. And like Scott could have, like, it, it, he would help anybody, right? But he's the CEO of the company, sees this woman kind of looking around a little bit and says, you know, excuse me, do you need some help? Oh, yeah, I, I can't. I, I, my seat and here's the ticket and the whole thing like an usher walks her over here you go here's your seat do you need anything else can i help you out with anything mm. oh no 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 thank you so much here's my card if you need anything you just let me know i mean expects nothing turned out to be the mother of one of like the biggest sponsors in msg who of course calls right away and said my mother was glowing she was saying the most the, the best things about you and i'm a big believer and scotty has another saying if you're, you know, you're walking by, if there's a piece of paper on the ground, and this is very Mike Bloomberg, what do you do? Pick it up. Pick it up. Yep. Right? I've seen Mike do that in the hallways of Bloomberg. He's seen something on the, I got, you know, 5,000 people walked past this piece of paper up, uh, you know, up in the, uh, the common area there at Bloomberg. Mike walks by, bends down, and picks it up. I, if you see a piece of paper, pick it up. Two right? great business lessons there for sure. All right, he is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor, Cor Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.